0: that I loved her, and if it changes, I've often told her, I'll let her know. You know, I still do. There's lots of things in our relationships and in our marriages where um, we need that reminder. I still do. I still do. I still do. So I, again, want to encourage you, um, if you haven't registered for that yet, no matter how long you've been married, join us um, on the 17th for I Still Do. Now, I'm really excited about this series, about this month. Um, about talking about families, because families are really important. You know, families are the reason why you're here. You wouldn't be here, honestly, if it weren't for your family, for your mom and your dad. Um, Families have great potential for hope and love, and families also have great potential for hurt and heartache. But we can operate in the midst of our families... In a healthy and effective way. And that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Ten traits of a healthy or an effective family. Now I want to start off this morning by making sure that we all know and recognize that there is 100% no such thing as a perfect family. I mean, there are times when, when we're tempted to look at another family and say, wow, I wish my family was like that family. They're just the perfect family. Well, I guarantee you that if you looked further into that family, you would find that that's not a perfect family. There is no, no such thing. There, there's not a perfect church. There's not a perfect family. It, it doesn't happen. It's not possible to get something perfect out of imperfect people. And that's exactly what we are. And, and but, but there are, however, though they're not perfect families, there are healthy families. Um, and, and that's the journey that we're all on in that direction. Something else that I realized is that there are different kinds of families. You know, we have single-parent families. We have blended families. We have two-parent families. We have families that, that have a, grand, a grandmother and a grandfather that are raising grandchildren. Um, There are all kinds of different kinds of families, and there are different circumstances that have put those families in that place. And and I recognize that this morning. Now, if you notice in your note sheet, grab one of those note sheets. There are ten traits. We're going to go through those ten traits. And at at the end of each trait, there's this continuum with a one through ten. And at the end of each point, I'm going to ask you to evaluate Evaluate your family. Now, whether that's the family that you are in as a child right now, whether that is you know, the husband and ro- wife relationship that you are in, uh, maybe it's just the two of you and you don't have children yet, maybe it's, maybe it's that relationship. Um, as a grandparent, maybe it's, it's the family that, that, you, uh, that you raised yourself. Maybe it's been, it's been years and you can evaluate that, or it's the family that you're in right now. You know, pick one of those things, and as we go through this uh, message, I want you to evaluate it. Now, and I want everybody to. Please, if, if, if you are a member of a family, don't skip this today. Um, uh, evaluate it. And, and I, also, I also want you to be honest. Now sometimes we, we can sugarcoat things, sometimes we can just sort of gloss over them, sweep them under the rug, hope they're going to go away, or, or just, you know, I just don't want to say anything about it. But, but I want to implore you to be honest and evaluate uh, whatever aspect of, of the family that you're going to evaluate in an honest way. Now, not that you should ever or it would ever be excused any other time, but, but think about this, okay? You're sitting in a church. Don't lie on your evaluation sheet, okay? Okay, if, if you're sitting there thinking, you know, um, we, we, man, we have a lot of room for improvement in this trait, don't mark a nine, okay? Mark a four or a three, Okay, so if 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 you're evaluating your family and and you're you're thinking as I go through the point, wow, we have a lot of room for improvement in this area. I want you to mark four or less. Okay? If if you um, if you're like, you know, we we, we're doing well here, but I think there are probably some things that we could change, there's some some things that that some decisions we could make that would, would continue to head us in a in a more healthy way, mark that a six or a seven. And if you're thinking, you know what, that was just, man, you know, the first point, wow, that was our family. Um, I really felt that when I was growing up. Mark an 8 or a 9. Now, notice I didn't uh, mention 10, because there are no perfect families. Nobody can mark a 10. And, and there, there is no undecided here today. Okay, no fives. Five is not allowed. I should have just actually left that blank right there. No five. Okay, make a decision. Because again, sometimes we think, well, if I just don't say anything about it or whatever, it'll go away. Or, or it, Here's the problem. If you were to mark a five on all those things, you would leave here and there'd be nothing for you, t- really, to, to no decision to make to change anything. And, and that's one of the biggest problems that we run into when we hear messages like this. As we leave, think, oh, that was an awesome sermon, pastor, and, and then we throw our little note sheet in the trash can or we stick it in the back of our Bible and we never look at it again. And my hope is that after today that you will take these, maybe, you know, you you sit down with your spouse and say, How did how did you evaluate things? Now, this isn't a fight creating thing. Okay? The the purpose here's here's the thing that we need to remember, especially as husbands and wives. You're on the same team. Right? You both want to be loved, you both want to be treasured, you both want your children, if you have them, to to succeed and grow up and to be committed to the Lord. Okay, you're on the same team. So when you sit down with this evaluation and, and, and you know, maybe you're, you're, one person says it's an eight and the other person says it's a three. Well, why is that? You know, one person is obviously feeling like there's some, some improvement that could be done and the other person isn't trying to improve anything because they think it's fine. So you come together and you say, okay, what are, what are we going to do with this? How can we as a team move this in a, in a, in a healthy direction? All right? and I also, um, I also want to make sure that everybody knows in this room that in and of ourselves and our human strength, we can't do any of these things. Okay? It's only by the power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit in us that gives us the ability and the desire and the strength and the power to accomplish these things. And you'll see that in a lot of the passages um, where, where the Bible is talking about the centrality of Christ. Now, before we begin, I'd I just like to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for every, every person that's in this room. Thank you for those that are listening online, those that will. Father, I pray that your Spirit would teach us. I pray, Father, that, that, that I know that, that you want to see healthy families. I, I know you want to see families that are effective in, in raising their children and, and husbands and wives and grandmas and grandpas that, are, that, are, uh, that, that, that interact with one another in a healthy way. Lord, I pray that you would, would spur uh, each one of us to leave here today with at least one thing. One thing that, that would move our family into a healthy, uh, in that healthy direction. Uh, Lord, thank you for your presence. Fill us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so, I'm just going to give one word descriptions for each point. Okay? Um, the first one, uh, the first trait of a healthy family is treasured. Okay. Treasured. There is an irrational, in this family, there is an irrational commitment to members of the family. Um, think about that. An irrational commitment. It means that, that this family treasures one another and in that they show an illogical kind of love. It's unconditional. It's not based on how the other person acts or the things that they do or the things that they say. It's because they are were created in the image of God and they are a treasured human being. Um, love in, in this family is spread lavishly and without discretion. Um, it's not based on actions. You know, um, one spouse or one child or one member of the family is, is selfish and everybody else is like, you know, they, they want to make that person feel like they feel when they act in a selfish way. No, no, it's, 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 it's forgiving those things. It's, it's looking past those things. It's loving them even though they're acting that way. You know, the value of the person doesn't go down when there are counteractions. That person is a creation of God, created in the image of Him, and we need to remember that. How we treasure one another isn't based on how one acts, but who and whose that person is. Look at 1 John 3, verse 1, up here on the screen. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Let's just stop right there. Think about that. How great is the love of the Father uh, is the love the Father has lavished on us, has, has irrationally poured out on us. It makes no sense, right? That, that God would love people who constantly turn their back on Him, who constantly spit in His taste, who, who sin and sin and sin. It makes no sense. It's irrational. But that's the kind of love that He has for us. And that's the kind of love that He calls for us to have with those who are in our families and who are around us. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. What? What? I'm a child of His? Even though I'm the way I am? Um, Wow. If you don't feel treasured as you listen to these words coming from from our Father, um, that, that you should be called a child of His, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. I can see John just falling on his face, just becoming overwhelmed with this sense of love that the Father has for him. I mean, he's speechless. He doesn't even know what to say. And then when he finally does find the words he he uses, at least in the English translation, he uses the words great and lavished. Wow. That's the kind of love that that we can have for each other in our family. That, that we can communicate this being treasured to, to the, other, the others in, in our family unit. We, we, can, uh, we can be driven by this love. The Bible says that, that we are able to love because what? God first loved us. That's where that ability, that potential comes from. It comes from God to us and then it pours out from us to those around us. It's because of His love that we're able to have stunning amounts of love, kindness, and forgiveness that we share um, within our family. And, and, and if you think about your family raising or the family that you're in, you can think of those times where it was. It was just it was stunning how much love... Like, like when your child was first born. You held him or her in your hands. And, and and you know, oftentimes some parents who are going to have a second child, they wonder, Am I going to have enough love for this child like I had for the first child? And and you were just overwhelmed with this sense of, of this treasure that you're you're holding in your hands. And unfortunately, in our culture today, that treasure's being lost. That that sanctity of life is is it's going away. And and we need to continue to carry the baton and to hold the torch high and treasure those who are in our family now I want you to take that cheat out and I want you to evaluate your experience Um, whatever it is that you've chosen, the family that you're in now your experience as a son or daughter, your experience as a husband or wife is there work that needs to be done Mark a four or less. Are things, are things well? Do you, do you feel treasured? Do you feel like, like others in your family are treasured by the words that you use and the actions that, that, that you make on a daily basis, but yet there's still a little room for improvement? Or, or are you just, you, you've never felt more treasured in your life? And mark an eight or nine, if that's, if that's where you're at. Treasured. The second trait of a healthy family is communication. It's communication. Now, we, uh, any, any marriage counselor will tell you that communication is huge. It's key. It's extremely important. This morning, I got up early to come into the church, and the front door is still wide open, and the, and the porch light is on, and a couple other lights are on in the house. Well, the reason for that was because there was really poor communication between myself and my daughter. I didn't know she was going to spend the night at another friend's house. I didn't want to walk her out of the house. She spent the night at a friend's house. and Anybody could have come over and helped themselves to whatever they wanted to in the house in the middle of the night if they wanted to. Communication is important. But, but, but I want to specifically talk about two types of communication. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Instead, Paul says, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is, Christ. Paul says that in all things this includes our families, with Christ as our leader, we grow up when we speak the truth in love. Okay, two two keys there. Truth and love. Okay, when we speak the truth in love, in love, with grace, with gentleness. But sometimes, sometimes we err on the pendulum on either side of that, and we become somebody, and, and maybe you know somebody like this, you never ever question how they feel or think about something. They're always willing to tell you. And they're, they're, they're really, it's just kind of a cold thing, right? They, they don't, they're not very warm and fuzzy. You know, of course, there's that person that's always willing to tell you when you have a booger on your nose, or, or you know, your fly is down, or, or you're, you've got a piece of toilet paper stuck on your foot. You know, there are people that are kind that will tell you those things, but, but sometimes those people also will tell you, you know, to your face, man, you're just a really selfish person. Or, or, or they'll, you know, maybe maybe it's been a spouse. Maybe this has happened to you. Your spouse has said to you, you know, I, you always make us late. You always make us late to things. And you know why I think that is? Because you're so irresponsible. Okay, now, those things could be true. Generally, when we use statements like always and things like that, it's not true. Because it's, it's, it's never true, Right? When you use the word like never or always. Um, because it, it's just not true. But, but there can be those times when, when we might be right and we think we're just telling the truth and they need to hear it, but we're really being vindictive or mean about it. And, and, and we need to be careful about that. Paul says that, that we need to speak the truth. And we do. There are things that are happening in your family right now that, that are just sort of there. And you haven't said anything about it because the last time you said something about it, maybe it caused a fight or an argument or something, and you're just like, you know what? Better let a sleeping dog lie. Okay? I mean, you've heard the story, right? Um, sometimes I wake up grumpy, and sometimes I let him sleep for another hour or two. Right? I mean, sometimes we, we're not honest. We don't tell the truth because we're afraid of it. And, and, and it doesn't help it doesn't help. Um, we need to be honest and we need to tell the truth. And Now, the other side of that is, is, is love and we need to tell there needs to be a balance. We need to make sure that we're, we're communicating this and we're talking about this because we want to advance the conversation in a positive direction. We, we want to move this in a healthy direction and it, and it needs to be shared. Okay? Um, and there's going to be some pain with that. But sometimes we can, go, we can err on the love and grace side where we just sort of think that if we just don't say anything about it, we sweep it under the rug, it's just going to eventually go away. It's going to work itself out. And that seldom happens. You know, ask a horse with a burr under its saddle. It doesn't just go away. It sits there and it sits there and it eats and it eats and it eats. And, and, and sometimes some you, you blow up and the other person's like, where did that come from? I have no idea. But it's something that may have been said or something that hadn't been said from a long time ago. Now, of course, I said from the beginning that there is no perfect family. But we need to to recognize that what Paul says here is true. God is head over us. That is Christ, Paul says. And within that relationship there is a balance of truth and love and that then transfers into our relationships with our families and and we need to operate that way as well with balance with truth and love so mark mark your evaluation sheet how are things in your family how would you say things are in your family you know i think it would be i think it would be i think it would be great if if after this message today Everybody went to lunch and, and everybody that's in the room here that you I hope you guys are filling out evaluation sheets up there, because your parents need to hear. They need to see how you're feeling, what you're thinking. it would be great for, for families to sit down and say, how, "How are we doing?" You know what Where is everybody in this? I know you're what you're thinking. oh that's kind of scary. I'm not sure I want to know what my kids think. Yes, you do. Yes. Because you can't change anything unless you know about something. All right. Communication, families, a family members, treasured, balanced communication. The third trait of a healthy, effective family is the celebration of uniqueness. The celebration of uniqueness. You know, I, you know how you catch a unique elephant? Unique up on it. That's right. <clears throat> Has nothing to do with the point. I just thought of that as I was talking about the word unique. Um, all right. We're all a bit weird, right? I've said this before. Look at the person next to you. Right? Yeah. They've got quirks. They've, they've got unusual personality traits. They've, they, they do some things strange. Like some people squeeze the tube of toothpaste in the middle. Who on earth would ever do that and why? It just messes it all up. Right? Who on earth would roll the toilet paper out the backside instead of the front side? You can't get to it. And I think, I think, why is it, why is it that that it's the man's responsibility to put the seat down? You guys never put it up for us. Yeah, that's right. I, I have fallen in before and it's not good. So yeah, guys, put the seat down all the time. Train your children to put the seat down all of the time. It's just, it's just the responsible thing to do. Okay. We, we are all unique, and, and the question is, do we celebrate that within our family? Or do we try to change things about our children or, or our spouse that, that, that's just who they are? It's who God has created them to be, created in His image. You know, um, maybe they tell dumb jokes like I just told. You know, maybe you go, oh, here we go again, here's another joke, right? Um, our, all our children go through that phase, right? Knock, knock, who's there, etc., etc. What about, um, maybe it's things how they, how they eat, how they laugh, how they react to chocolate. I mean, we're all different and unique, right? God made us in a unique way, and we need to celebrate that within our families. Um, in, an, in a healthy and effective family, each member is loved freely and without judgment. Their, their opinions, their feelings are always honored. It's not that they're always right, but they're always honored. And I'm not saying that there's no discipline in the family either. You know, I'm not just saying you let everybody do whatever they want, but... but but, but we honor the uniqueness of the members of our family. Most of you know if you have multiple children, you don't, you don't discipline every child the same way. Um, one child, you look at them crossly and they melt and they fall into tears and they feel horrible for whatever it was that they did that was wrong. And, and other children, you, I mean, it's, they're, they're strong-willed and it's difficult and, 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 and it's hard. And, you, and it's a lot more work. But we have to honor their Uniqueness. Romans chapter 15 verse 7 Paul says accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God when we honor the uniqueness of our family members those that are in our family we are we're honoring God we're praising him because that other person was created in his image celebrate the uniqueness of each child in your family let them know that when it comes to their image in God that you wouldn't change a thing about them Evaluate your family. Are you valued, even though you're weird? And I say that with with uh, in, in a loving way. Are are your personality traits um, that are different than others in the family? Are they valued, um, or or are they demeaned? Are 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 you told that, that you shouldn't, you know, you, you shouldn't be that way, or whatever? Um, how are you treating other family members? Is there a lot of room for improvement, little improvement, or uh, is uniqueness honored in your family? Number four, a sense of safety is the fourth trait of a healthy family. You know, a healthy family is a place where everyone feels safe. And, you know, I hate the fact that we even have to mention this. But in our culture today, there are families out there that that are unsafe. There are children that fear that that they're going to be abused verbally, physically, emotionally. And that's just wrong. As a family, if that's going on in your family, it's got to stop. It has got to stop. I've heard people say, oh, children are resilient. They bounce back. Yes, that's true. But when it comes to physical and emotional and verbal abuse, what we need to realize is that children are fragile. And that and understanding that children are fragile means that there's no emotional or verbal or physical abuse that's tolerated in any way, shape, or form from mom, dad, or from any of the kids. Any of the members of the family. I mean, mom and dad, we got to consider the power of the words that we use when it comes to our children. Remember that story I told a couple weeks ago about the father that got his son to trust him and jump off of the banister into his arms and the dad jumped out of the way and the child hit the ground and what he was trying to teach him was to never trust anyone. You know a, 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 an unloving word spoken to a child can do the same thing and it can create scars and I get that we're all imperfect, yes. But 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 in which direction are we headed in that? Do we just excuse it and say, well, that's just who I am, that's okay? Or or are we seeking the Lord for, for His Spirit and His power to change us so that we don't respond in that way? We need to love our children. We need to love those in our family. And we need to make sure that, that it's a safe place and that we're treating all of our other family members in a safe way. It, it, it's not ceasing discipline because sometimes kids can say, you know, you're mean or whatever because you disciplined me. No, um, you know when you're being mean. You know when the words that you're using are meant to try and make you feel better instead of trying to correct them and, and, and to, to bring them up. It needs to be a safe place. That's how Christ treats us. He, he just lavishes his love on us. Now, um, how's your family? How, is, how have you been in this area? Evaluate yourself. Write it down. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Number five is faith. The greatest gift that parents can give their children is a committed relationship with Jesus Christ. Their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the biggest gift that a parent can give. It's the greatest gift that we can give... Our family members. It's centering our very life on Jesus Christ. A healthy and effective family recognizes that a mild dose of God will never cultivate a life that has Christ at the center, guiding every aspect of your life. God teaches about this trait in, in Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses five, seven, and nine. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength impress these things on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates is there an aspect of life that's not mentioned there? I mean it's, it's everywhere it's, it's at all times it's, it's centering every activity that we do in our life on Christ it's possible it's possible all too often we, we get so involved in, in ourselves and, and our own our own agendas that, that we forget about Christ. Or or we put this responsibility of the faith of our children and of our members of our family on someone else. Well it's 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 our Sunday it's, it's Kidzone's responsibility to teach your kids um, faith in the Bible. No, it's your responsibility. Kid's Zone is coming alongside of you in helping you, in supporting you. Well, it's the youth pastor's responsibility to teach my kids about sex or whatever whatever. No, it's your responsibility. Well, well, it's the pastor's responsibility to make sure that 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 I have what I need spiritually every week. No. No, that's your responsibility. You know, our responsibility as pastors is to is to teach you how to do the work of the ministry. Our responsibility as pastors is to come on a Sunday morning with what the Lord has prepared before us to communicate to you that He wants to use in your heart. Uh, Our responsibility as pastors is to lead you to the water and I would say occasionally feed you some salt and pray that that makes you thirsty so that you will drink. So that you will drink. We can't leave our faith, our spirituality up to someone else. And if we do that, we create spiritual orphans and spiritual schizophrenics. I mean, it's a complete disconnect. It's something that, that, that doesn't happen at home, yet we're told that we should live this way um, by the church, and even mom and dad say that, but it's not that way at home. It's, it's got to be all one thing. The greatest gift that we can give, that you can give your children, is your faith in Christ, is a life centered on Jesus Christ. You know, there's a big difference between a young person who goes to church and one who is truly sold out for Christ. And, and we have a part in that. You know, I, 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 I've been thinking just this morning, actually, about this. And I had a couple experiences this week. Um, one, I, we got in a, a suburban full of other people and we were going to go on, on this trip. It was a fun trip. It was a fun trip to play a game. And uh, the person that was driving said, Hey, everybody listen up. I'm going to pray. And I was just like, "Oh, that's weird," you know. Um, I, it, it just it just seemed kind of odd to me. Um, and he prayed, and he was like, "Lord, you know, we're we're going to do this fun thing, and we know that you've given us our health, and we pray for safety, et cetera, et cetera." Et cetera. Amen. And then we left. And when 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 we left, I thought, "That's that's Deuteronomy. That's living Christ as center every day in every aspect of life, and it's something that we can do as as parents." You know, you're you're getting ready to go on a vacation. Dad, pray. Ask the Lord to, to 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 work in your family, to work in your heart as you're on this trip to to protect you. As, you know, last night we, we, we had a we had the Lingle Fort Laramie volleyball team over to our house. Um and, and we had a lot of fun. We're getting ready to eat supper. And and of course, you know, I'm thinking, all right, before we all dig in, um, we're gonna pray. And, you know, it felt a little bit awkward, maybe, because, you know, I don't know them all. I don't know where they're at, but this is my house, and what we do before a meal is we pray together, and, and that's what we're going to do, and that's what we did. And, and you know, it's, it's every aspect of life. As we walk the road, as, as we go from here to there, as we lay down at night, it's this conversation. It's, it's our faith, and it's a very important part of a healthy family. Number six, respect. Respect. You know, this is a trait that I think is lost in our culture today, or is, is, is being lost. Respect. Um, you know, especially with the invention of social media. Now, I, obviously we can't blame it on social media, but social media gives us an avenue to exhibit disrespect. You know, people will post things on social media that they would never tell someone to their face. And, and they, they always do it sort of, sort of you know, um, they, they try to do it without names and stuff, but everybody knows usually who, who they're talking about, or they, or they make it up, you know. Well, they must be talking about so-and-so, or they must be talking about that business or that business. And, and some people just throw it up there. And I mean that's sort of literally, if you think about that, they throw it up there and sort of vomit on all kinds of people with this statement or with this thing and, and it's very, it's disrespectful, it's, it can be demeaning. You know, here, here's another thing, um, and, and uh, I, I was raised this way, um, so I want you to know that, that, that um, my, my parents made me this way, okay? Um, when I see people wear hats in buildings, it just makes me angry, well, maybe making me angry is... Is that too much? Is that too far? I just wonder, where—where where is the respect? You know, like at Lingle, I think there's a sign on the door that says when you come into this building, we would appreciate it if you removed your hat. That's the way, That was a show of respect in the old days. Now, I understand that in the culture that we live in today, it, it isn't necessarily seen... Somebody doesn't wear their hat in the building and say, "Oh, well, I'm disrespecting this place because I'm wearing my hat in here. I, I know that's not the case. But but it, it just is part of that progression of our culture i've I've, I've done funerals where people wore their baseball caps too I, I mean I, it, it's it's gone that direction and and we need to teach our children to be respectful um, something else in our culture that that is very very disrespectful is racism racism you know People say disrespectful things about other people, um, and in a, in a in a in a healthy family environment, um, arrogance, superiority, or respect, disrespect for people who are different than us is never tolerated. It's never tolerated. Um, now, where where do people learn racism? I think generally speaking, people learn it in their family unit. And it's because of a father or a mother or a sibling that, that has a, a racist view or a superiority view, and, and it's learned. Um, maybe you're in a family where there's no question that, that, that somebody in the family is racist against another race, another culture. Um, maybe it's a little more underhanded too, a joke here or there. I mean, I, I think about some of the jokes that I told when I was in high school. I'm appalled at them. You know, I'll, I'll experience something or think of something and a joke will pop into my head and I'll go, holy cow, I used to tell that joke. And I used to laugh at it. It's not right. It wasn't right. You know, and and, and if there was anything my parents weren't is racism. I, I Racist. I, I can't... Although, although, you know, as I said, you know, I didn't live in a perfect family. Um, there were these big nuts that we ate at Christmas time. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. A Brazil nut. Correct description, not what we called them. And, and I never even gave a second thought about it. I mean, it just, that's just what it was. And it wasn't until later in life where I sort of made the connection, where I went, Oh, my goodness. We said that. We said that. Now, I know you can go overboard. I I believe you can go overboard with this, and you can get all carried away with this, but we have got to, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, members of our families, make sure that we are not tolerating any disrespect for people that are a different color than us, or were raised in a different continent or country. Uh, There needs to be respect Think about this. We, it, it, here's, a, here's a good way to think about it. We have got to remember that we will never look into the eyes of a person who does not matter to God. You will never look into the eyes of a person that does not matter to God. You will never look at a person, another human being, who Jesus did not shed His blood for. That person does not walk the earth. And we must remember that. Jesus added to the Shema. We already read that. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That we should love each other as we love ourselves. And that's not just the people that look like us and talk like us. It's everyone. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. And the second is like it, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. When you see a child that is different than other kids, ask yourself, what would it feel like to be that kid? I I, I, I saw this this morning in my Facebook feed, as I was looking through it, and uh, there was an article about five boys in this class with a special needs student who was also in their class. And, and I, I didn't read it, so um, if you read it and the details are different than what I say, please correct me, but um, by reading the title, what it looked to me like was these five boys found ways to protect this special needs student who was a part of their class from any sort of bullying or disrespect or or demeaning things from anybody else in their class. It was their goal, one of their goals on a daily basis, to make sure this kid felt a part of their class and was valued as a regular member of their class. And that's the way we need to lead lead our life. That's what we need to teach our kids. In what we say about people, in the comments that we make about news programs, they need to hear us loving our neighbors as ourselves. Evaluate your family. Were you raised in a prejudiced home? Mark a four or less. Were you taught that all people are created by God and in His image? Those marks would be above five. Mark it. Be honest. Treasured, communication, uniqueness, safe faith, respect, and the seventh trait of a healthy family is responsibility. Um, Members of a healthy and effective family Teach other members of that family to be responsible. That there are consequences for decisions and actions. They don't remove consequences when the time comes. You know, a, a, a parent that uh, that wants to teach their children consequences, that child gets a moving violation. The parent doesn't pay the ticket. The child must deduct. The child must go down to City Hall and write the check out to City Hall. $63 or however much it is for a moving violation in Lingle. Okay? And pay that. Now, one of my children, that happened to them one one day, and and when they came to tell me, they were in tears. They couldn't believe it happened. They made a bad decision, they... They drove a car when they didn't have their official license yet. They just had their permit. They weren't supposed to. Something happened, and the police officer pulled them over and gave them a ticket. Tears, I mean, were flowing. Um, they knew that they did something wrong. It was, it was hard. And I said, well, you know, you're going to have to pay the ticket. And that's exactly what happened. And, and my wife said, that's all you're going to do? There should be some other consequence. And I'm looking at this child going, I don't think there needs to be any other consequence. They're hurt, they feel bad that they did it, and and they, to this day, have not gotten another citation. So maybe, maybe lesson was learned there. Um, You know, don't be the parent that just removes all the natural consequences from your children or tries to get them out of things. Okay, we need to teach them responsibility. My uh, Let's see, First John 1, through 8-10 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word has no place in our lives. We all sin. We are all imperfect. Yes. But God allows natural consequences in our lives when we sin. When we do things that are wrong. He forgives, yes, and we forgive as well. We don't hold that over their heads for years to come. Maybe tell a funny story occasionally about it, like I did this morning, <laughs> but we don't. We let the consequences do the teaching. It's it's God's way, parents, to help us teach our children to be responsible. Uh, there was a young man who was in love with my niece, and... Uh, uh, he was supposed to come up and, and they're married today uh, and uh, have children. Um, anyway, he was a senior in high school and he was, he was from Colorado, uh, just north of Denver, and she was from Alvin. They were going to meet in Cheyenne. They were going to get together, go out on a date. and, and uh, He had to attend a family gathering first and the family gathering went long. And he was going to be late to meet her. And, and as he's walking out of the house, his dad says to him, Rob, do not speed. I know you're going to be late. You just need to be late. It'll be okay. You know what he did? He sped the whole way. In fact, the patrolman clocked at him like 104 when he crossed the state line. Okay? When the patrolman finally caught up with him in the middle of Cheyenne and got him pulled over, what do you think he did? Put him in the patrol car hauled him to juvenile and put him in jail. You don't want to get caught going over 100 miles an hour in Wyoming. Okay? Now, because he had a Colorado license, the state uh, did not, re- did not you know, suspend his license. His dad did. Okay? What do you think his dad did when he called his dad and told him that he was in jail because he was speeding? I'll see you tomorrow morning, is what he said. My brother and sister in-law were appalled that he would leave his son in jail. But, but that's what happened. And, and his dad took his driver's license. It's his senior year. He can't drive. He has to ride his bike to work. I don't know if he took, if he took her to, to prom on his bicycle. I'm sure his dad had to drive. That was probably fun. Um, but I'm telling you, he learned some responsibility because of the natural consequences of his actions. Today, and I don't know, you know if this was a part of his decision of his, of his career, but today he's a pastor. You know, um, he's a pastor. You think he learned anything? Yeah, um, he did. So let's, let's make sure that we allow God and some natural consequences to teach our children responsibility. Um, the eighth trait of a healthy and effective family is that they play together. They play together. You know, I... I wish I we could have some videos or some insight in some of the campfire conversations that Jesus had with the disciples because I know they had good times. I know there was lots of laughter and, and there are times, some of, the, some of the parables that Jesus tells or some of the things that we just get a small glimpse of him tongue in cheek, you know? Um, I, I, just, I wonder if he was a, good, he was a great storyteller. I, I can imagine him being a good joke teller as well. You know, I, I'm sure they, they laugh together. You know, as families, we need to, to laugh and have fun and, 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 and play together. Play games around the dining room table together as a family. Put the phones in the bedroom, right? I mean, we have all these girls over at our house last night, and towards the end, there's five of them. They're all sitting on couches, and every one of them is on their phone. Yeah, that's a great time. You know, I mean, we need that togetherness. And kids are rolling their eyes in the room going, oh, that would be a lot of fun. Yes, it could be. It could be. Um, go on a vacation together. I'm not talking Disneyland or something like that. Go to Laramie Peak for an afternoon. Go play putt-putt golf for a couple hours. Go go out to eat. Do Just have fun. Enjoy each other. I mean, there's plenty of work to be done, right? Plenty of work to be done. We need to show our kids that we value fun. That we value joy and laughter. That it's okay to laugh. It's okay to play the music in the car really loud and sing to it and have a good time together. Well, that's one of the things that we like to do anyway. Um, now, some of us would say, well, I, you know, we're together all the time. We're together at soccer games and we're together at volleyball games and we're together at football games. That doesn't count. Okay? Because there's no interaction. It's you watching your children, which you need to do, but that doesn't count as playtime. Okay? And, and we shouldn't substitute it for that. Uh, Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Laughter is good medicine. Play is good medicine. Families that play together stay together. I think that's true. You know, communicate... Our kids open up sometimes when we're in those casual situations and some serious conversations can happen in the midst of that. Respect can be learned. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Okay, rate your family. Needs a lot of work? Haven't gone on a vacation in 15 years? Um, Haven't played a game together? Uh, Whatever. You know... Rate your family. Room for improvement or we're doing great. We love to play together. Healthy and effective families also, number nine, celebrate rituals and traditions together. Job chapter 8, verses 8 through 10 says, Ask the former generations and find out what their fathers learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing, and our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? We need things that we celebrate in our families that are traditions, that are ritual, that we can count on, that will happen. Christmas, uh, Easter, uh, communion, on a first Sunday of the month for us here. Those things can become a part of, of our everyday family times. And it will be things... You know, we've, I love to sit around the table with all of our children and hear them talking about two years ago at, at that Christmas dinner or whatever. Things that, that we do often. Think about those things. Do you have traditions that you've established in your family? If not, what are some things that you could start today, this year? We need rituals and traditions. They help inform and they help teach. They help us grow together. We celebrate communion once a month. That's a tradition. That's a, a, a ritual, if you want to call it that, that Jesus instituted. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to remember my sacrifice, and this is how you're going to do that. How is your family doing in the tradition area? Do you have any? Um, maybe you just got married. Are you trying to blend some traditions? Work on those. Talk about them. Establish some things. Finally, number ten. And for some reason, I think this is the hardest one for all of us probably. A healthy family seeks help when they come to an impasse. When they, when, when they can't figure something out, they go to somebody and ask them for help. Uh, they understand that all families have issues and sometimes they mean, need outside or even professional help. And, and they're not afraid or ashamed to ask for help when they need it. It could be a paid counselor, it could be a close friend. I don't know how many times I've heard couples say, we can do this on our own, we're going to get through this on our own, we're going to work through this on our own. And usually, what that means is, I've already made my decision of what I'm going to do. I don't want to do that. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The Bible is saying that we should confess our sins with each other. I mean, you hear that and you go, "Oh there's no way. Why would I do that? Because it's healthy." Because God commands us to. And, and, and as we confess our sins, we can also confess those things that were areas that we're weak in and that we need help in. and we can ask a friend to pray for us. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We need to admit that we're weak, that we need help, that we can't do this on our own. And we need to ask someone to pray for us. There is serious power in prayer. Prayer is effective, and we need people to pray for us. But we have to let them know that we need it. They can't read your mind. And and it's really important. When we're struggling, we must humble ourselves. We all need it from time to time. There, uh, as an old Chinese proverb goes, it says this, no family can hang a sign on their front door that says nothing the matter here. You know, there are those things that we can work out together. With the Lord's help, we can work through them. And, and, and like like gold refined by fire, we come out the other side stronger, more in love, more committed to each other. And there are those things that we look at and they're huge fences and mountains. And it's like, how could we even begin to get over this? And it's in those moments when you need to say, help. Help. We need help. Sarah and I, in year five of our marriage, um, we, honestly, we didn't, we didn't wake up one day, have a conversation and say, hey, you know what, we should go see a counselor because we, we're, not just, we're just struggling here in our marriage. We're not getting past this. We had a good friend set us down and say, you know what, <laughs> there's some things going on here and, and it's kind of concerning me. And, and if you guys would be willing to, as a couple, go to counseling, I'll pay for it. And, and we talked about it, and we said, you know what? Wow. <sighs> Praise the Lord. And we did. We drove to Denver once a month for six months and met with the counselor. And, 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 and it helped in amazing ways. Sometimes we need to admit that we need help. We need to cry out. I mean, I've been through personal counseling. A godly man gifted by God to help me reframe my relationship with the Lord and, and, and seek Him I've, you know I've been talking about some of our conversations and, and it's, I, I don't think, I, don't think I, I could have gotten past where I was without His help we need to be willing to say I can't do this I need help that's a trait of, an, of a healthy family where would you mark your family? How would you rate your family in that area? Maybe you mark it a three or four, and and this next week you call somebody to get some help. Maybe you mark eight or nine. Praise God, what what a great place to be. I was talking to somebody before the service. I said, how are you? Oh, I just feel really blessed. I said, what a great place to be. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Wow, ten habits. How did your 10 traits, how did your evaluation turn out? Okay? um, Again, I encourage you as families, have conversations about this. And remember, you're on the same team. The goal is to head in a healthy direction, not prove that you're right or you're wrong or whatever. It's, It's to grow, and it's to allow the Lord to work in your life. God is clear about the kind of families that He wants us to have, and if we follow His principles, we focus on the passages of today. Our families can and will grow in a healthy and effective way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that, that you love us and that you've communicated your desire and your will for us. Thank you that you've gifted us with the families that we have. Lord, we admit we know that we're not perfect, that I pray Lord that you would help us not to to uh, compare our experience in our family with another family and think that somehow that family is is perfect and I wish it was ours was like that help us to not listen to that lie Lord. help us to to grow in a healthy and effective ways in in the family that that you have gifted us with Father if there's if there's some here today who who marked four or less in some areas. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would continue to impress upon them the importance of making intentional decisions. Maybe there's some things that they could change that would be simple. Lord, I trust you to uh, give them the strength and the, uh, the power of the Spirit to do that. Lord, help us to honor you and to glorify you in how we, uh, how we exhibit these ten traits in, our, in the life of our family. Thank you for this day and for this series and what you're going to teach us throughout it. In Jesus' name, amen.